Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is No One Believed Me, an interview with Anna Chescheck. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Anna Chescheck. Anna Chescheck is a 29-year-old IT professional from Poland. She was bitten by a tick at the age of seven and started to experience health problems shortly thereafter. As she got older, Ms. Chescheck's symptoms began to interfere with her everyday life. She had trouble walking, speaking, and breathing. She also had numerous hospital stays. Finally, at the age of 26, she was diagnosed with Lyme disease and her healing journey began. Now, Ms. Chescheck wants to give others hope and inspire them to never give up. She is also passionate about facilitating an open conversation about Lyme disease. Hi, Anna Chescheck, and welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for inviting me for this podcast. We're really blessed to have you, and we thank you for accepting our invitation. Can you share with our listeners where you live? Yeah, I live in Poland, in Europe. Anna, can you share with us what you do for work? I am IT specialist. I finished maths and management on study. Uh, I'm working as an IT specialist, yeah. Can you share with our listeners what your family situation is? I have husband, only one husband, and, and the dog. This is my family. Anna, can you share with us what your life was like before you began to show the symptoms of your tick disease? My life before the Lyme disease, in my opinion and in my um, doctor's opinion, I have Lyme disease for most part of my life because I have tick when I was seven years, years old. And so I am now 28 years old. So Anna, you, you, were, you were suffering from the symptoms of your tick disease for almost the entirety of your life. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's correct, yeah. So how did your tick disease symptoms present when you were seven years old? How did you know that you were sick? The first symptoms, I have cardiological problems, problem with my heart, yeah. My heart speeds up. It's very hard to recognize this because this is proximal um, speeds up to 250 feet per minute. It was really hard to check this because I have many halters, I had many uh, other consultations, many, many research, and no one know uh, why I had this. What is the cause of the problem? I had a lot of pills for heart, but no one know uh, why I had this problem, yeah? So how did this affect your childhood? Were you limited in your ability to attend school? Did it place restrictions on your social life? How did your symptoms affect your childhood? As I remember, I always have problem with my health, yeah? When I tried to run, I couldn't do this because of my heart problem and also because of my problem with other orthopedic problems. So... I had mainly problem uh, in sport, yeah. Anna, did your problems have an impact on your ability to make friends and have uh, healthy relationships with your teachers? I think no. I think no because I am very open, yeah. I speak a lot of a lot of with another people. I I am very friendly for another people. So I think. It was not a disability to make friends or to speak with another people, to, to have connection with another people or re- relation. But as I remember, I have mainly problem uh, with my health, yeah, and with sport, with, in school, mainly with sport, yeah. 
So how did your symptoms develop from your childhood into your adulthood? In addition to your heart issues and your orthopedic issues, what other issues developed over the course of your childhood? I had many other symptoms in my childhood and when I was older. For example, or mainly, I had problem with stomach, with orthopedic problem, dental problem, cardiology problem, joint problem, neurological system problem. And when the medical community failed to give you a diagnosis, did that have an impact on whether or not your family and friends believed you were actually physically sick or were you ever diagnosed with a psychological illness? My parents were thinking that I am not really sick, but I have mainly problem with psychology. This is mainly psychology problem, yeah. The doctors, sometimes they were thinking that I'm sick, but it couldn't be some heart issues because I had every result or most part of my results, I had very good, yeah, as a normal standard people, yeah, normal healthy people. Did the failure of the doctors to properly diagnose you and the doubt that it created in your parents' mind cause you to doubt whether or not you were really physically sick or whether you were suffering from a psychological illness? Doctors mainly thinking that this is psychological problems. My parents, when I was younger, was thinking that I'm not sick. I only speak about it, yeah? I was only speaking about pain, about any problems to my health, yeah? How did it make you feel when your parents doubted your illness? Oh, it was very hard because I feel very bad. Sometimes it was really hard to find something, solution how to do or to get better, to resolve this, uh, these issues. And no one believes me and believes to my symptoms, yeah, because I can only tell about my symptoms. And I had a lot of blood tests or another test, yeah, and every test I get as healthy people. So where is the problem? When someone is sick, for example, when someone has cancer, the blood results is not very good, yeah. Sometimes it's very bad. But I, ha I had always on my childhood, and not only on childhood, but uh, when I was maybe always four years ago, I had every blood uh, result and other healthy people. It was very hard for me, and I wasn't feel very good with this, that no one believes me. Maybe not no one, but very small group of people believe to my symptoms. So, Anna, you got sick when you were seven years old, and you didn't get a diagnosis until you were 26. And throughout your journey before getting a diagnosis, you pretty much had every single blood test possible. You had every single type of cardiac and heart test possible. You saw neurologists, all different types of doctors. So your family and doctors concluded that this was a mental health issue or a psychological issue. Did they put you on any psychological medication to try to help you with the mental health issue they thought you had before your diagnosis? Yes, of course. But in my opinion, it didn't help me. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but this is not a solution for long term. And once you had this diagnosis of a mental health issue, were your friends and family supportive? Were they understanding or were they just, did they have no patience and didn't want to be bothered by your condition? Oh, I think they were really worried about it. They didn't believe for this. In Poland, the mental health issues is not very popular, yeah? 
maybe uh, people have this, but no one speak about it. You knew all along that it wasn't a mental health issue and you were fighting to get a proper diagnosis. When did your doctors realize that there was a real physical illness and that this could be something more than just a psychological issue? The doctor was thinking that this is real physical health issues when, for example, I have dental problem because I had four years ago dental problem. I had, for example, for one month, eight root canal treatment, yeah? You had eight root canal treatments in a short period of time, which was indicative of there was something else going on in your body. Yeah, yeah, it was for one month. I think for young people with previous no dental uh, problems, root canal treatment, it was not very popular situation, yeah? So it was very unusual situation. So because this was so unusual, they started to realize, hey, she's been sick all her life. Now she's having these really rare and unusual dental problems. There's probably something causing these issues above and beyond something in her head. Yes, but no one uh, know why. What is the cause of this? Yes, I have another symptoms. Yeah, for example, I had finally I get the diagnosis of cardiological diagnosis. Yeah, and finally five years ago, uh, one doctor could find how my heart work when I had this speed up, yeah, and what could be the cause of it. So the every diagnosis that real diagnosis why something didn't work very good helped me to try finding why I had this, yeah, why why I had this problem and what could be the cause of this problem. So your heart issue that you had, your doctor said you had a heart condition and they said that was your problem, but really that was a symptom or a consequence of your Lyme disease that you weren't diagnosed with yet. Yeah, yeah, it was a consequence of, uh, of Lyme disease, of course, but for most part of my life, uh, no one know why my heart speeds up. No one believes me for this speed up because the halters couldn't catch up this, yeah? Four years ago, I was appointment in a very good doctors, yeah, who specialize with heart tachycardia. And in opinion of this doctor, maybe the cause is somewhere else, but this doctor redirected me to ablation. I had this ablation four years ago, of course. It helped me, so it was better after this, yeah. But I have also very hard problem with temporomandibular joint. You know what this is? Are you talking about in your Not jaw, TMJ? Uh, yeah, with my jaw, yeah. People call this function brookhead. You know it? Yes, we do. We do. We, here in the US, we call that TMJ. Oh, TMJ. Oh, oh okay. So I had appointment in, in very good doctors related to this. And this doctor told me that in his opinion, it could be Lyme. So this is the first big thinking about Lyme. So Anna, can you share with us what you knew about ticks prior to meeting with the doctor who diagnosed you or potentially diagnosed you with Lyme disease when you had your jaw examined? I had only one tick and I don't uh, remember any other tick. So one tick when I was seven years old and no one after this. But 
as you know, any other people, of course, know, sometimes we didn't sow the, t- the ticks, yeah? We, we don't know if it spite us or if we had this or, or not. Were you aware of Lyme disease or other tick diseases prior to meeting with your doctor who examined you for your potential TMJ? No. Are ticks well-known in Poland? So do people in your country, are they aware of how dangerous ticks can be and how severe tick diseases can be to the human? Maybe for the last two years, uh, people uh, are aware about it, about ticks, but before this, no one heard about this disease, yeah? Maybe not no one, but a very small group of people know that people could tell health issues because of ticks, yeah? Anna, do you know anybody else who has Lyme disease? Yeah, I know a lot of people. Yeah, I know a lot of people because with these people, I, I call to, to any other people because every people have any other experience, yeah? And sometimes doctors don't know what to do with, with some symptoms, some issues, and other people with their, their experience could help uh, me and me and other other people to resolve it to to improve it yeah to to feel better so it sounds like it's very similar to here in the states where doctors aren't properly able to recommend things to get you better so you then found other people with Lyme disease in Poland started speaking with them and learning together and researching together because your doctors couldn't properly help you it sounds like yeah, we have the same situation. In Poland, doctors think that uh, Lyme is very new, yeah, and no one exactly knows how to find solution, how to find the the most appropriate way to uh, to treat somebody who has Lyme disease. It sounds like so. Doctors in in Poland, just like in the United States. They're not sure what the best way to treat somebody is who has Lyme disease in that situation. Yeah, in Poland we have the same. Of course, when I have very uh, bad situation, for example, with my one year ago, I have problems again with my heart, or two years ago I have problems with my joints. Yeah, the eyelid doctors could help, could consult other doctors when I was in hospital, but finally solution or the finally way to to pass this this disease no one knows it yeah and once you got your diagnosis of lyme disease what was your treatment plan what did your doctors prescribe you to help you feel better when i find information that it is lyme yeah in my opinion very good day very good it was good information because I every day I was feeling worse and worse. I I couldn't walk. I couldn't speak. I have a problem with breath, with heart, uh, with liver, with joints, uh, with muscles, with bones. A lot of pain, and no one know why. And finally, one day I I get this blood results, and oh, it was Lyme. So it is Lyme. So in my opinion, for one side, it was very hard to believe that it is Lyme. But from the another, another side, finally, I get 
the information, what is the cause of all this problem. And when I get this broad results and I, I checked that this is Lyme, I made an appointment for five doctors, three doctors related to ITSA treatment and two doctors related to ILAT treatment. Those doctors, you made appointments with, with doctors from ILADS, uh, the International Lyme and Associated Diseases Society, and also the Infectious Disease Society of America? Were those the two, the two different entities you went with? Yeah, I, in Poland, we have 14 doctors. They are in ILADS community, yeah? They're doctors that are active in the ILADS community and trained by ILADS. Yeah, and I had two appointments of this 14 doctors in Poland, yeah. And when you went to this, these doctors that were ILADS and Lyme specialists in Poland, what was their recommended treatment course for your Lyme disease? Oh, I get full information about Lyme. Not full, full, but every meeting takes more than two hours. And doctors explained me why I had this problem, for how long I, I could have this problem with Lyme. Yeah. What is the proposal of treatment, what I should do, what I need to change. For example, I, I needed to change my diet. I needed to change my life. I need to change everything. What type of medicine did you end up taking to treat your Lyme disease from these ILADS doctors? I get from ILADS doctors antibiotics and also herbs. Also, I get information what I can do. For example, I get information about, about sauna, about ozone. Yeah, I got information, for example, about herbs, sauna, ozone. So it sounds like you took a pretty comprehensive approach. You took antibiotics, a pharmaceutical approach for antibiotics. And were they oral antibiotics or did you get IV antibiotics? Firstly, I get antibiotics uh, in pills, yeah, but in Poland, I don't know, maybe in the USA you have the same situation. Antibiotics in injection, yeah, we get this for the last part of treatment, yeah, when we finish the treatment. Anna, so you started with oral antibiotics that you took in a pill form with water and, you know, swallowing the pill, and then... After that, you got the needle antibiotics because it sounds like in Poland, it's much harder to get IV antibiotics, which are, you know, injected into your blood in a, in a needle. Is that correct? Yeah, this is correct. But I get the second part of antibiotic in hospital. Yeah. One year ago for uh, two months because of my pathological problems, because problems related to my heart and I get antibiotics in hospital. Above and beyond being on antibiotics, you mentioned you also did herbs, you did ozone therapy, infrared saunas, and other things like that. So can you talk to us about how effective the infrared sauna was? Do you feel that the infrared sauna helped you feel better? For every alternative method, I think the best could be, in my opinion, interfered sauna, yeah. And in my opinion, ozone therapy for very short time the improve of my condition was for very short time it was not a long-term option yeah so so the infrared sauna you felt was really the best treatment you got the ozone therapy cost very much yeah so 
people need to spend a lot of money for something which wouldn't help us enough. This is my opinion. You also mentioned the herbal therapy. What type of herbs did you take? I, I had many herbs, yeah. I take, for example, resveratrol. I can mention that it was whole protocols. Anna, did the herbs help you feel better? So you went on a whole protocol. It wasn't just one or a couple. You did a whole protocol of many different herbs to help restore your health. Do you think they helped you feel better? In my opinion, the herbs in pills or the herbs which we can buy uh, from stores don't work as good as help me, for example, the herbs prepared directly for me by people who specialize in, in herbs, yeah, and in herbs medicine, natural medicine. So all in all, if you had to make a recommendation to somebody who's had a similar case to yours, what would you say was the best thing you did that helped you feel better as a recommendation? In my opinion, I can recommend every people to check what helps them because for everyone, every way can help different. Yeah, we, have, we could have different results. In my opinion, in my opinion, we should change uh, life, for example, change diet, yeah. I am also now on disulfiram therapy, and this is the best, in my opinion, this is the best medicine which I uh, was taken for Lyme therapy, yeah. So that's disulfiram, right? The, the, the new drug disulfiram? Yeah, disulfiram, sorry, disulfiram. So that's actually becoming more and more popular here in the States as well. And many people are having major success. In fact, there was a recent article posted about somebody who was in a wheelchair and really couldn't function. And after just, I think about a month of being on disulfiram, he's claiming that he has his life back. So do you feel it's really that effective and it's really a game changer for you that it's making you feel that much better? I think this medicine changed a lot of things in my treatment, yeah improve a lot of things in my treatment. I had very good uh, results. I had very huge progress in my treatment. I could go to, for example, I could go to gym. I, I could go to wedding. I could go to, to meeting with my friends. I could run. I could, I could do, in my opinion, the 90 or 80 percent of things uh, what can do standard uh, normal healthy person but unfortunately i i needed to take break of this and remember i had one situation very hard it was it could be negative effect or it, it was negative effect i didn't drink alcohol but my husband come back from a party and he was drunk and he came to our bed when I was sleeping, yeah? And he came to, to sleep with, together uh, with me uh, on our bed. And it was very hard for me because uh, one hour after this, I wake up, I had very big problem with coordination, uh, with balance, yeah? In my opinion, I had the most part of, of symptoms with disulfiram, not poisoning disulfiram, but poisoning by uh, alcohol. And when your husband came back from a party, he was drinking alcohol, got into bed with you, 
And just from him drinking, you then got very sick when you woke up because of, of him, I guess, breathing the alcohol and, and, and the smell of it being around you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So now it sounds like you've made some major progress that just for our listeners, you were going to be on our podcast many, many months ago. And then due to a schedule conflict, we had to reschedule for today, of course. But back then you said you were about 40% recovered. But you mentioned earlier that now you're maybe back to 80, 90% recovered. Is that correct that you've made that much progress since our, our initial point of contact several months ago? Yes, it is correct. But I need to clarify the huge progress I had when I, I was taking disulfiram first time. And now is the second time because I had break uh, related to my virus infection. Yeah. And now I, I don't see this acute progress as first time. Now I think it's not as good, yeah? Maybe the Lyme came back. Maybe I have... Did you say that you took disulfiram once before and it made you sick and you got a virus and then you stopped taking no, it? No, it, no, no. This, there was no relation between uh, the disulfiram and this infection, yeah? So you had a virus and you were you you got sick just just because people get viruses like 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 everyday life. Yeah, yeah. And then and yeah. then after that you started taking disulfiram for the first time and that's when you really had a major breakthrough and started to recover pretty significantly. No, I started disulfiram in July, but infection I had maybe 2 months ago. Yeah, 2 months ago. And Two months ago, I had infection and I need to stop disulfiram because of other drugs, medicines, uh, which I needed to take. Yeah, I, I needed to take four other antibiotics and there was no way to take also disulfiram. So you started taking disulfiram in the summertime. You got a virus. You had to take some other antibiotics. There was a, a drug interaction or a conflict, so you had to stop taking it. And then you started again once you got better from the virus. But overall, yeah. disulfiram has brought you from about 40% of your health back to about 80 to 90% of your health by that drug alone. Yeah, that's amazing. But now I, I have no as good progress as first time. So I am waiting when it could happen. But the second option, in my opinion, disulfiram helps us for Lyme, for uh, Babesia, yeah for any other problems, yeah, but disulfiram couldn't help us to, for example, Bartonella, yeah, and maybe now this is time when I problems mainly related to Bartonella, yeah, and it could be cause why my treatment stopped. We, we, understand, we understand very well that you use the disulfiram to help you through the challenges with Lyme, but now you have other co-infections that you're dealing with now, and you're going to have to pivot to other medications so that you can deal with your other co-infections. Yeah. Tell us how you're doing now. I mean, you, you've shared with Matthew, you're between 80 and 90%. And what has that allowed you to do in your, uh, in your work life and in your social life? How are you living differently now that you've gotten to this level of recovery? Now I feel better, yeah, of course, but this is not time to, uh, to back to work. I need to take breaks. I can go to shop. I can meet with my friends. 
I can do what I what I need, but I couldn't do it for a long time. For example, I can go to shop, but only for shopping. I can meet with my friends, but we need to meet, for example, for one hour. We understand. So you're just on it for a short time and you're hoping that you'll continue to recover at the same rate you are now that you're on this new medication. And with that, you're hoping you'll have a better social life and more energy so that you can go back to work. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Can you tell us about how you're different because of this tick disease journey? Meaning, why are you a better person and a different person because you've gone through this journey with your tick disease? Oh, I think I'm a better person now because I, I met a lot of people who have problems related to Lyme. I met a lot of great people, yeah, very friendly, helpful people. And in my opinion, when I, when I had better condition, I didn't think about people with big health problems. And my life was very full of my work, full of work, full of things, which in my opinion are not the most important in our life, yeah? Because, in my opinion, the most important thing in life is health. Now, this is my thinking for now. And four years ago, I was only thinking that I need to improve my skills, improve my knowledge. I need to get better and better in work. I need to get more money, more money and money. Yeah. And now I think everything changed uh, when I, since I had life. You have reached out to the Lyme community through this social media. Can you share with our listeners why you're using social media as a way of reaching out to people in the Lyme community and to help them avoid what you've had to go through? In my opinion, people have problem to, to find some information about Lyme, to find some information about Lyme treatment. And people have also problem with maybe not with information to treatment, but with positive information about this treatment, with positive posts, maybe not only information about treatment, but what we can do during this treatment. People always were thinking that when uh, they are on treatment, they need to stop their social life, stop everything. In my opinion, uh, the better way is to do everything which we will, but of course, we need to do the smaller part of this. Maybe we need to do this with, of course, smaller energy. And I, the cause of my uh, Instagram profile or Facebook profile is that I think it could help people to, to find maybe information, maybe, maybe information about uh, something which uh, doctors don't tell us maybe information about any other alternative option, or maybe only information about some positive parts of life, yeah? Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Anna Cheszczak. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to know more about Anna Cheszczak and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at LimeFighter underscore. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. 
Third, we here at Tech Bootcamp have created a Tech Byte blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.techbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tech Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank your listeners for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.